Hey everyone, welcome back to Stevie's Tech Talk, the show where we talk about the tech industry. Tech, talk about the tech industry in ways that other people don't talk about the tech industry because unlike me, they didn't quit. And so they have some you know, PR department breathing down their, their neck. You're gonna hear the sort of the unfiltered, you know, uh, heavily biased, but unfiltered uh, take on how companies work in my show. Uh, companies don't like it when you talk about them, uh, but I think that it's very educational. They don't like to be embarrassed, uh, but it's very educational to talk about companies and how they work and what their goals are and what misconceptions about them. And uh, because you know, companies are ultimately made of people, and people matter, even if companies kind of don't. And uh, and so, as maybe a potential employee of a company or an existing employee of a company or a corporation, you know. I think it's beneficial for you to understand the game that you're playing because it is kind of a big game. Uh, and I'm bringing my 30 years of industry experience to bear on this problem. So buckle up. Today's uh, episode, I've re-recorded it several times and I've split it up because it's a huge topic. Uh, what we're going to talk about is we're going to start talking about why Amazon.com executes better than any company on earth. Why and how? And I'm going to give you the first part of that, and it's either two or three parts total, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, let you be the judge, okay? I worked for Amazon for seven years, uh, from 1998 to 2005 when I went to Google, so I got to compare and contrast. Uh, and, uh, and then I worked again with Amazon as their customer, uh, from 2018 uh, through th 2020, when the pandemic hit, and I got to experience what it's like to be a corporate customer of, of Amazon, of AWS, Amazon Web Services. We'll talk about that in, in part two of this, this little uh, expose on Amazon. The reason I'm talking about it is that there's a lot of scrutiny on Amazon right now. Uh, there always has been, but now Amazon is so dominant across so many different sectors that people are starting to look at it and go, are they a monopoly, right? And, you know, on the surface of it, no, they're not a monopoly or they would have probably had antitrust litigation brought against them already the way that uh, the government sued Microsoft uh, in, what, 2000, 99, something like that. Uh, and the government won, by the way, because Microsoft was a monopoly and they were like illegally abusing their, mono their monopoly position and, and so on. Microsoft was pretty evil, used to be. Um, Amazon never has been a monopoly because Jeff Bezos uh, knows all about the rules because he's from Wall Street. And so he's always stayed very, very, very clear of being a monopoly. And they've encouraged competition. And yet, for some reason, they're kicking everybody's butt. And, you know, you look at them and, and if you, the, the closer you look, the, you know, their ad network is rapidly gaining on Google and Facebook's ad networks. And, you know, Google and Facebook pretty much had lock-in. I mean, it's really hard to, like, expand and to create an ad network. I'll probably do an episode on how Amazon's ad network is different and clever and, why, and how it was able to get an inroad. Uh, but you don't care. You probably don't care about their ads. It's a, it's a really interesting story. I'll tell it some other time. It's just an example of how Amazon was able to like say, well, we want that over there and we're going to we're going to take it. But without being a monopoly. In fact, they're taking it arguably from monopolies. How do they do it? And the answer is execution. Their ability to get stuff done. 
Okay, sounds pretty simple, right? There's several components to it, and I'm going to talk about some of the components later because it's a really long talk, like customer obsession. We'll do a, we'll do a talk on that. Today, we're going to talk very specifically about the number one thing that they do that nobody else does. Almost nobody else does this. Only Amazon does this. And uh, and and I and I want to just set the stage, present it to you. You know, we'll, we'll talk for 15, 20 minutes, and then. You can shoot me questions in the comments or, or whatever, you know, email me, whatever. Um, and I, I've spent a lot of time kind of justifying the things that I say, but it winds up being rambling. Just like that sentence right there. So I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to say stuff and be aware that everything that I say, I can back up. Okay. And so if you need me to back it up, I'll back it up. So let me tell you a little bit about Amazon. Okay. And by the way, yeah, Amazon's evil, you know, about unions and things like that. I'm strictly just talking about how they execute well as a company so that you can learn from that, okay? And what is a company? A company is just people together. Uh, we're having company over. Uh, company, right? It's just people together. That's what company is. And when those people decide that they're going to work together, to some common end, some common goal, then they become stronger than an individual. And the more people they are piling on and sharing the same vision in the same direction, you know, you get the Egyptian pyramids built, right? Sometimes people uh, don't participate voluntarily. Uh, but in companies, uh, it, they're very similar to families. Your family is a company. Okay? It's one that you're born into, <laughs> like some companies. And uh, you, you know, there's a line, there's a spectrum, there's a dimension that you can measure on, which is how aligned you are, how cohesive you are, how, to what extent is your family working together to accomplish some goal. Okay? And on that line, on one end is uh, a mafia, right? A, a, a family that is so large and powerful and laser-like focused that they are like a company and they can get amazing things done, good things, bad things, whatever, okay? And on the other end of the spectrum, right, where most families kind of lie, you have all-out war. They hate each other so much that they are actively fighting to sabotage each other in every way that they can. Those are the two extremes, okay? Perfect alignment and perfect misalignment, okay, or disalignment. Uh, as you can imagine, um, the exact same situation happens with companies. Now, how can a, how can a non-company organization like a family uh, become so dysfunctional, right? Well, so the thing that you got to kind of understand, it's really key to my whole, my whole series here, is that a company is, is a person. A company is like a body. It's not like a person, like a human being. It's like a thing. It's an entity that has its own agenda and its own goals and its own control of resources and its own value system. And uh, the individual members of the company kind of don't matter as long as they're doing their job. Uh, and the company cares about them, right? The way you care about your heart and your lungs. But uh, if you had a chance to replace them with a better heart and lungs, you would. And that's the way companies operate too. A company, you know, sort of maintains its own health. 
uh, or ask for government handouts. Those are the sort of two options. And, um, and so to understand, you know, and the, the original people who started the company, sure, when it's small and it's just a small group of people, it's just a group of people. But when it grows to a certain size, everybody becomes replaceable, okay? And this is important to understanding why Amazon is so dominant across the, 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 the board, okay, in everything that they do. It's, it's really crazy. So, so what happens is um, groups can get diseases. And sometimes we call it dysfunction, but it's, it's really a disease. It's an ailment, right? Uh, you know, to give you a really simple example, you might have one family member who's uh, a real problem. Somebody who's in and out of jail and always, you know, uh, getting in trouble, you know, with the law or always stirring up trouble at family gatherings or just generally a problem, right? You can have those in companies too, right? Maybe not getting in and out of jail. They won't last long at the company, most likely, unless they're the CEO. But uh, you have people that are creating problems, okay? Uh, and uh, so that's not really a disease so much as like a wound, you know, like a a pulled muscle, you know, or a, a sore that's having trouble healing. But it's still a, a problem, an illness, an ailment with the company because it's preventing other people from getting stuff done. If you have a whole bunch of those all over your body, then it's a disease. If you have a whole bunch of people in your company who are holding on to uh, keeping other people from being productive, in any way, there's lots of different ways they can do this, then your company is diseased. A great example of this is Microsoft, and we'll go into great detail about this uh, down the road in another, another episode. Um, uh, it's a really common pattern. Uh, there, are, there, are, there are companies have a whole host of diseases that they can get, and they're common. Like many companies will have the same disease. And the diseases could potentially, there, there's a taxonomy. You could name them and you could, uh, uh, you know, learn how to diagnose them and learn what the symptoms are and learn how to treat them and learn which ones are fatal. I mean, like, nobody's done this. You know, I, I'm going to start talking about them in my show. You can call me Dr. Steve. Uh, you, you know, it's really kind of advanced to the state of maybe veterinarian, you know, horse medicine at this point. <laughs> Look at a company and just like shoot it. But, um, you know, the, the reality is that uh, companies, you know, they get their own diseases just like populations get diseases. They can get real diseases or they can get diseases like being anti-vax. Now, I'm not blaming anti-vaxxers. If you're anti-vax, uh, you know, don't angrily turn off my show. You know, I'm not blaming you for being anti-vax. It's a, really a failure of the education system and of uh, science uh, marketing and of the government and a bunch of other reasons uh, that, that because it's a very real phenomenon. I mean, I there you know some 30 40% of the entire world's population maybe is is firmly anti-vax uh but it is a disease in in aggregate because it's killing people i mean that's kind of the definition of a disease and so you know how does this happen i mean diseases can be diseases of the mind in a sense and companies they do not have the will to cure their diseases i mean if you if you're like you're talking about the old west and you know you 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 get you know an arrow to your to your knee and you have uh you know uh, an infection and you know you're looking at it and it starts to gangrene and the doc you know, the doc you know who's your buddy who you know drinks you know as much whiskey as you says man we're gonna have to take that off okay and so saw you know sawing your leg off to to save the body to save your life 
It happens today still, right? It's very painful and traumatic. And breaking up a company can be very painful and traumatic uh, or rooting out a systemic illness from a company because companies are made of people. And even if companies don't really matter, people do, you know. And, uh, and, and there's also a lot of like legal obstacles to companies just snuffing things out. We do have at-will employment, which means they can fire you anytime they want, uh, at least in the United States. And that is absolutely huge for productivity. I'm not, I'm not uh, trying to justify it. Uh, in, you know, in Europe, they protect people's rights, workers' rights, more than they do in the United States or in Asia. Uh, but in the U.S. and Asia, which are far more productive than Europe in the tech sector, uh, you can fire people at will. And it's that constant threat of being fired that keeps people sort of behaving, keeps the, 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 the lungs and the circulatory system and everything like working uh, because people know that they're being held accountable, right, for being, you know, for not, not diseased. Uh, but diseases do happen. And, you know, Amazon, I'm, I'm going to just say it right now, the number one reason that Amazon executes so well is that they are merciless about rooting out disease as soon as they find it. And I told you, I'm going to talk about a lot of different specific diseases that I've seen in action at corporations or even been a part of. Okay. It's a learning experience for all of us. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk at great length about them. But basically, there's situations where groups of people within the company can hold the company hostage. This happens all the time. A specific group of people becomes large enough to become sort of like a, a political lobby or a labor union or, you know, some sort of, you know, an, a sub-entity within the company that has its own agenda and it's starting to fight the host, right? And, uh, and it, it's just to give you an example so that I don't, I'm not, you know, you're not guessing being territorial is a huge disease uh, in companies, a very common one being turfy. That's mine. You can't work on that. I'm not working on it and you can't work on it either. So the company's trying to get as much done as humanly possible, like literally as humanly possible. And there are humans that are holding them back from getting stuff done that the company wants to get done happens again and again and again. It happens at all companies except for Amazon, okay, where Amazon has a core value called bias for action. And what it really means is greasy spots on chairs, okay? There was a uh, team that I uh, witnessed. I had to work with them. I had the sad misfortune of working with this small team of uh, self-proclaimed uh, self gatekeepers of the website. Uh, at Amazon in like 1998 and 1999, mostly 99. It was a group of people who uh, decided that in order to protect the website, to keep the website from, uh, you know, pushing out some, some garbage, you know, that's broken, that hasn't been adequately tested, that hasn't been adequately vetted, that hasn't met whatever criteria they felt like coming up with, okay? that they weren't going to allow it to launch. So they actually, it, it turned out they had some keys, okay? They had the keys to actually flip the switch to, uh, to move a, a build and a, a new set of features onto the, to the live website production servers. They were, they were the gatekeepers right there of the launched production. And if they didn't, if they didn't uh, turn, turn their key and, and allow the thing to happen, you couldn't launch. You didn't have that ability. And, uh, 
this got like gradually more and more annoying because gatekeepers will just sort of like uh, root themselves in and settle down and dig in like 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 funnel web spiders and then they'll just come by and just eat random people uh, and and stuff won't get done and and what happened was Jeff Bezos it finally got to where projects weren't launching and Jeff Bezos was like so why didn't this launch on time. And they're like, well, you know, issues with the, the release train, blah, 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 what release train? Well, you know, there's a group, what group, right? And then the next day, instead of the group that was the gatekeepers, their chairs just had greasy spots where a bolt of lightning had destroyed them utterly in a biblical, just, just whoa, where's Bob and Sally? My, my God, what happened? And then there was a party because everybody hated them because they were gatekeepers, because they were slowing everybody down. And Amazon didn't care, actually, it turns out, if they launched garbage to the website, because they could just make people mad, and then they'd call customer service, and they'd get a gift certificate, and they'd get a big apology, and they'd get free stuff, and they'd go, oh, I love Amazon, even though they shipped me the wrong thing, and like I'm a Catholic, and they sent me pornography, and et cetera, et cetera. Every bad thing that could ever happen has happened at Amazon. I was in customer service for a couple of years uh, with their tools, <laughs> and I tell you, uh, Amazon uh, does not tolerate being slowed down. It's a disease, all right? Uh, what does that mean? That means they have the willpower to, uh, to root it out, which means, you know, have a stern talk with the people, you know, who are responsible. Uh, and if they say, no, which they often do, they say, no, you can't. This is mine, and I'm keeping the company safe. It's always in the guise of safety, security, whatever, right? It's, it's a, you know, um, uh, one of the diseases that we have is that the so-called DevOps team, and we'll talk a whole episode about this, you know, the group that holds the keys to launching uh, decides that they're going to they're gonna be an obstacle. And most companies tolerate it. They're like, oh, you know, you're just going to have to negotiate with them. Well, I don't really have the authority to blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, in, in, in Amazon, it looks like Florida during lightning season. Just bzz, bzz, bzz. Whole teams will just disappear because they didn't, they, they screwed around. They didn't launch. Uh, Amazon has a system uh, of what you might call ambassadors or diplomats. Okay, They're called technical program managers at Amazon, TPMs. Uh, but what they really are is they're ambassadors and diplomats because the, the companies get so big that they become like countries and there's these different, you know, very powerful warlords in charge of the different, um, you know, like Google has, you know, Gmail and, you know, they're, they're, you can't mess with us. We got how many, you know, gazillion customers and, you know, and then there's, you know, YouTube and you can't mess with them. And, and so it's really amazing actually that Google manages to get everything, anything done, uh, given that they're so, you know, balkanized, uh, and, you know, Amazon's the same way, except Amazon does get stuff done. And and the reason is that the local warlords have to deal with these ambassadors that they're not allowed to shoot called technical program managers who come in and basically the technical program manager is an engineer who also knows how to speak warlord. And they come in and they say, we need to get XYZ launched. And the conversation always goes like this. The manager goes, ha, 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 no. And the TPM says, or you'll be fired. And the manager goes, ha, 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 how can I help? Right? That's how the conversation goes at Amazon. 
how the conversation goes at uh, you know Google and Microsoft and everywhere else is they go ha 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 no and that's actually the end of the conversation there's gonna be a lot of follow-up conversations and a lot of begging and whining and angry escalating and fist pounding and gnashing of teeth and pulling of hair and name-calling and boy I've been through all of that uh, and the answer is still no that company has a disease and the disease is bias for inaction. The opposite of Amazon's bias for action. They have a bias for inaction. And, a, and I tell you, inaction doesn't get a company very far. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's probably getting close to our 15-minute mark. Um, I should probably start wrapping this up. I have so much more to talk about. I hope you enjoyed this episode. This is a... You know, I only gave you one example, uh, but, you know, guarantee, you know, I worked there for seven years. I can give you 10 more examples from when I worked there, and I guarantee you that it still works that way today. Teams know that they have to work together, and they have to allow things through, even if it's unpleasant for them. There can be seismic shifts in company strategy that can make entire teams obsolete, okay? And, uh, you know, uh, other companies will, will hang on, you know, for a long time or deal with it in other ways. But in Amazon, it's just like, hey, man, it was a good gig. You guys did good. You know, things are changing. It's time to move on. Okay. And, uh, you know, Google does that too. Google's really good at shutting down projects long before they should shut them down. Amazon's more tenacious. And we can talk about that as one of their other, uh, you know, survival features. But, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's Amazon's ability to root out disease, okay? Actually, you know, sort of diseased individuals and diseased teams and diseased organizations even, uh, no matter how painful it is, you have to drink that whiskey and saw the leg off, right? Uh, but you do it to save the company's execution, direction, and future, uh, you know, take the short-term pain now, no matter how big it is. That's what Amazon does. They do all kinds of other stuff too. We're going to talk about it, right? They they act like they're always at war, uh, where where they're being attacked. They're not on the attack. No, they're being attacked. That's how now they think about it. And uh, you know, c customer obsession is going to be a really interesting episode, and we'll talk about some of the other ways that Amazon uh, is super successful. Uh, I'm really glad that I don't work there anymore. Uh, it's very stressful. Uh, the people who do work there pretty much only work there for the money, and it's a lot of money. Uh, Amazon shares are worth a lot of money. Uh, and it's a great experience because then you go to other companies and you look around and you're like, what is wrong with you people? Why can't you just admit that you can't get anything done? And, uh, you know, it's, it's quite, uh, quite interesting to see how ex-Amazon people show up at other companies and are, are, and are held back and are frustrated because of uh, corporate dysfunction and disease. I tell you, how many companies do you know that have bias for action as like the, basically their number one core value? Okay, bias for what does that even mean? Bias for action. It means get something done, act. Don't sit around and stall. Don't talk about it. Don't ask for more data. Don't you know? We'll go through actually all the ways that people actually uh, stall. There's a lot of stalling that goes on in, in big tech companies, Google and Microsoft and Facebook and eBay and, and, and you name it, right? I don't know about Netflix. They seem to operate well. Apple seems to operate well. But I can tell you, people are trying to stall all the time. And it takes a will. It takes a corporate discipline. Discipline, okay? And it takes kind of strength that, that most companies just don't have. 
to make sure that all the people who are trying to stall because they're panicking, because they think their job is at stake, uh, they can't stall you. That's it's a really, really uh, basic. You would think, oh my gosh, patient's sick. Maybe we should cure him. And like people don't. People don't. Co corporations go on with diseases and then they die. Often the diseases are fatal because they can't compete. They can't keep up. Or they lose their relevance, you know, like Google is rapidly doing. It's shocking. Uh, so anyway, that's a wrap for today's show. Um, happy to uh, answer any questions about stuff that I talked about. I will be talking in the next episode about Amazon's customer obsession, which is another uh, very, very, very different thing that Amazon does from everybody else, even though they all, they all say that they're customer obsessed. They're not. And, uh, and uh, then we'll, uh, we'll go from there. This, is, uh, this has been fun, and we'll see you in the next episode.